many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Well, hello, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today on Passing 50. I'm really excited today. I feel good. I feel wonderful. And it's even going to be a better day now because I'm going to introduce you to an amazing woman. Her name is Frankie Picasso. She's a solution specialist, a certified life business and master coach trainer, and specializing in what else but the impossible. She's an author, a radio host, and a tremendous tremendous inspiration. And Frankie, I am so excited you're here because talk about a boost, talk about energy. You've got it and you are the one. Oh my gosh. Robert. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can tell that just together, there's like people are going, <laughs> the yeah. energy is really, really, really a lot for them today. That's good. It's they need of- it. Yes, it's kind of put your seatbelt on because, you know, there's going to be some some overdrive here. We're just going to get to a lot of stuff. You know, I think so many times um, we hear many inspirational stories. We hear uh, a lot of things, but sometimes you think, oh, that's that's not going to happen to me. You probably are in a different place now in your life than you ever thought you would have been when you were a young girl, a young adult. Um has that path dramatically changed for you from, from say, point A to point B? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. Because what, ever. The reason why I'm leading into this because we think, oh, you know, we're going to make plans. And then sometimes when those plans take, a, a you know, a, a sharp left or a sharp right, we're like frozen. We can't deal with it. So first tell us. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, have have our uh, little background so we know where you began and how you had to change. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I probably am the person with the most jobs you'll ever meet. I, I, I showed somebody a resume once and we were just dying laughing because I had done so many different things. And I was very organic about it. Like I, if I like something, I want to try it. And and that's kind of where I was at. Originally, um, when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And that was, you know, I and today I still want to be a veterinarian. I haven't done it yet. But yeah. I might. I just might. You never know. Sure. Yeah, I was going to be a jockey, a veterinarian. I love animals, big passionate animal lover. Um, but I was also, uh, you know, passionate about injustice. And so I ended up going to school for photojournalism and uh, I loved it. But there wasn't any jobs when I got home. Mm. Um, you know, I think I was 16 when I graduated high school, 17 when I went to college, a little bit too young, maybe, um, I think. And, and so I came back and I go, but I've always had an interest in in makeup and aesthetics and all that stuff. So I decided to become a makeup artist. So I went to, back to school and became a makeup artist for a little while. Um, and then somehow I got into events and I got into boxing events, as a matter of fact. And I ended up becoming the world's first kickboxing promoter, female kickboxing promoter. And I ended up managing a 12-time world champion. And I put on the world championships in Toronto 97. Had I ever done it before? No. 
<laughs> in my head, I'm like, I can do that. And uh-huh. I've always been like that. If I think I can do it, I can do it. And, yeah. and so I, I do it. <laughs> I mean, talk about, you know, going around not linear. Um, somebody once challenged me in a bar. I was about 20, 21, um, that I couldn't sell insurance. And I go, of course I can sell insurance. I can outsell you people in insurance. <laughs> so I had to go write the life insurance exam. I did outsell these guys. It was all men. And they said, well, that's not fair because you're a woman. You can sell more or better or whatever. Oh. And, and the boss actually asked me to take a cut and pay. And this was commission. I'm like, if you want to pay me a salary, they don't have to know about it. But definitely I'm not going to take a cut and pay. Why would I do that? Just improve their sales don't take away mine like right, that's silly right. that's silly so uh we left there and i traveled off and um man i've just done oh became a private investigator because i love photography it was part oh, of my thing wow i you know i mean all of these things it's just really fun um and then i i ended up from from doing events, from doing the kickboxing, um, I had a call one day from the Solicitor General in Toronto, from the government of Ontario, and they said, could you come and do an event for us? And I'm like, sure I can, but how did you find me? Like, this is bizarre, like out yeah. of the blue. And I said, yeah. So I went and I did their justice showcase, and I ended up staying seven years, and they hired me on. And um, the last, I worked for them, Secretary of Cabinet, call and said could you become the special advisor for spirit and what that was a brand new role and what they wanted was somebody who could um, come up with with initiatives that would improve the public service the morale of the public service we had 60,000 public servants and without giving them money so that was my last job and I had um, a motorcycle accident where I ended up in the hospital for six months and everything from there went you know out the window so the job got reorged um I was divorced. I lost my uh, play. I was a drummer in, in a blues band. So these guys came and picked up all their stuff. I was on the Canadian National Dragon Boat team. We were about to go to Shanghai. Eight days out, I had the motorcycle accident. So that was kaput. Uh, so just a time of great loss. And um, the only thing, you know, I had left really were my kids and, and you know, hopefully my sanity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, and, and I was worried about my sanity. So I said to my lawyers, um, you know, you have to get me a laptop or something. I have to yeah. go to school. I have to do something while I'm here in the hospital. I don't want to vegetate. And so I went, I started taking online courses for, um, for, for coaching with the International Coach Academy. And I ended up teaching for them for a while after I graduated everything they had. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love, I love coaching and, and, you know, but radio was, was always one of my first loves. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was nine years old, I sent away for the National Institute of Broadcasting Records and I kind of forgot about it, you know, for a little while. And through the years, I took TV and I took radio and different courses because it interests me. Um, but then uh, one of my students said, would you like to be on a radio show? And I said, you know what? It was just past New Year's Eve and I had written down, this year I'm going to be on a radio show. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. And we did. We started All Coach Radio, Coach of the Airwaves. Um, and that here I am. I got to blog talk from there <laughs> or to wow. Yeah. Wow. You just don't take no for an answer. That's just, a, it's plain and simple. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's it. And, and I just, you know, when you want to do something, you just want to do it. And I have never, I love change. I'm passionate about change. As a matter of fact, I'm one of those people that if things don't change, I get really bored. Well, so, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and so I love to teach people about change because so many people fear it. 
When you had this motorcycle accident, it obviously put you in, um, talk about a complete 90 degree or 180 degree or complete uh, stop what you were thinking and you had to make changes. What was the difficult process that you found in order to get that positive attitude back again? I think so many times we do get halted by something that was totally out of con- out of our control. We can mm-hmm. have control over whether or not we're staying with a job or want to apply for a new job or whatever. When you have a motorcycle accident or if you've had a disease that all, all of a sudden you're slammed with cancer and you're you're looking at a whole lot of uh, medical issues, we had no control over that. How did you stay so positive through that? Good question. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think I have a positive nature anyway. I tend to to be a positive. And when I was in the hospital, in the rehab hospital, I actually did a survey. You know, are your parents positive or negative? Because I was oh, interested. Right. How yeah, did yeah. that? How did somebody keep up? You know, why was I positive and not going? Oh, you know, I'm going to die and never walk again, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I guess I just ha- and and I, I will tell you one thing. From day one, and people thought I was nuts. I put on my lipstick and I and I brushed my hair. And now I I couldn't move. I mean, I was like mm-hmm. clicking the clicking the Morphe machine every five minutes. But it was important to me that I did that. And later on, I was um, when I was sent to you know through the insurance companies, you have to go for all of these tests and everything because mm-hmm. they don't want to pay out any money. Um, and and I was a driver had run a stop sign and hit me. So. Um, they said, "Oh well, you you have you wear your makeup, so you can't be depressed, you can't be sad." I'm like, "Are you nuts?" I said, "You know what? I put this on because if my outside looked like my inside, I would kill myself." And that was the truth. And so, I, I every everything I did had purpose. Everything I did was designed to make me feel better um, about my situation. And it was it was cognitive and it was intentional. I can only imagine. Well, I, I've I've uh, been through cancer myself, so that certainly hit me like a two by four. I had children at the time. Um, I thought, oh my! Even though I knew my husband would take care of my children, I knew uh, I, I had family. It still is your body, and it's your change. You mm-hmm. you didn't have this in in mind. I didn't have it in no. mind. And it, it's true. I think if you are starting to begin with even one step that you do have control over, you had control over brushing your hair and making yourself presentable. Mm-hmm. You had control over, yes, I'm going to do one more exercise today or I'm going to make one more phone call today that's going to be uh, to my benefit as far as whether it be your attorneys, whether it be you know something progressive and then getting your laptop to me, that is your one step forward because you're certainly feeling like you're taking a lot of steps backwards. But I think by having that one control, mm-hmm. then to the following day you have a little more grasp and then you begin to progress. Do you, do you think that that was probably uh, something that helped you? Absolutely. It helped me. Um, you know, it was, it was that control that I needed uh, something that, that I could, I could look after and you know it wasn't every day it wasn't linear that like you know every day was a progression because it wasn't you took you know two steps forward ten back but um 
I, you know, I had my children like you, I had my children to live for. And I thought, I'm going to be here for them. I want to be here for them. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can. Because it was, you know, I did have days where I thought, oh, I should just kill myself, then they could get the money. And you know, like, no, no, they won't get the money. If I kill myself, that's not going to work. That's true. I know. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you do know what I mean. And, and, and so you think, nope, you gotta, you gotta be strong. You gotta move forward and, and do what you gotta do. There is a way, and it is hard to to take that. But geez, one little one little positive thing is what we have. We have a mm-hmm. big positive thing today. We've got Frankie Picasso with us. We've got a lot more to chat about with her on the other side of the break. We've got a commercial break coming up, so do stay tuned. We were we are with the unstoppable Frankie Picasso. Be back in a moment, right here on Passing Fifty. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's words you never heard. Got a lead foot? According to state troopers, here's what not to do when you get pulled over. Don't be a lachrymist and start crying right away. It doesn't help. But if you're under 20, crying won't be held against you. Don't ask for a break. Don't yell or start any argy-bargy. And one trooper said, if they're going to flirt with me to get out of a ticket, it would probably insult my intelligence. But unfortunately, I don't get hit on all that often. So flirting or being a gill flirt won't work. Did you know that 15% of all drivers get 76% of all traffic tickets? And the odds of winning if you challenge a traffic ticket in court are one in three. So what should you do when you get pulled over for speeding? Be courteous to the officer, and most of all, be honest. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Hey everyone, this is Robin Boy back with you today on Passing 50. We have uh, Frankie Picasso with us today. She is the uh, she's an author. She's a, a coach. Uh, she is a radio host. Your show is Mission Unstoppable right here on the Toganet Network as well as on the Good Radio Network. Uh, and we also have Frankincense, Frankie Sense, and more, which I absolutely love uh, to share with all of you as well. Frankie, so many times I think um, it is difficult to get over hurdles. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we're emotionally faced with hurdles, um, did you find, we were talking on the break how much our computer meant to us, did you really find that talking to others who may have had similar problems as you or similar challenges as you give you that inspiration or were you um, just knowing that nobody else was, was like me and I've got to do it all by myself? I, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think for me, the computer was, was a way to stay in touch. You know, it was not necessarily with people that I knew. I'm, mostly I was in touch with people I never met, but sure. it was, it was just, you know, I felt like I was part of a community. I felt like I was still, you know, there or here, mm-hmm. you know, um, as, as opposed to just being silent and being by myself and, and, and not talking to anybody. So it was very important for me. It really helped me. I looked forward to those conversations. I looked forward to the forums. I looked forward to, you know, to speaking with people and meeting new people, um, people who, who, 
had similar challenges and people who didn't, but um, it was very, very important that I still be a part of life. Yeah. You know, I'd been, I'd been very busy in life and, you know, you go from, from a hundred to zero, uh, you, you kind of want to feel like you'd still belong. It's true. I, and as I said, when I was going through, uh, I had cancer, I had, um, Hodgkin's, which was unusual for a woman of my age at that time. Uh, it, I had not been a smoker. I had no history in my family and bam, there I was. Uh-huh. I, I ended up with, with cancer. Um, and it was important for me to soak up as much information as I could. I became so thirsty for information. I wanted to talk with people who had been through it. I wanted to uh, reach out and learn more things. I then, um, between that point in time and not long after my cancer, my mom had a stroke. Uh, She was recently widowed, had a stroke. Uh, We ended up moving our family, my children and my husband and I, moved in with her so that we could take care of Graham, which ended up being a 20-year stint for us, which was a wonderful experience. But there again, as her uh, capacities became more limited, I then was not able to work out of the house. And I wasn't going to take that as a, oh, God, I've got to sit here and take care of mom kind of thing. Mm -hmm. To me, that was my opportunity to go get online, go back to school online, get more information, extend the careers that I had begun, kind of like you. I was thirsty. I needed more. Couldn't sit around. (laughs) Yeah, I can't sit around. Ended up getting more graphic design, getting, you know, getting back into radio, which had been my minor in college anyway, in communications. So it's true. You, you have to sort of, you kind of have to, I don't want to say you just get over it because some people have a harder time with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it does, some people do need to take, uh, the time to talk with somebody. And sometimes it might be just more inspiration and more knowledge because if you have a limitation in one area, it doesn't mean that you've got a limitation on the other. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's, when I was in the hospital, it was, it was kind of funny in a way because the nurses asked me to go, um, in, when I was in the rehab hospital, they asked me to go and help other people. Now I had two broken femurs, hip and pelvis. And so I wasn't moving very well. Right. And yet, and yet, you know, they go, could you go and talk to that person? Could you go and talk to that person and see if you can get them to go to therapy? Can you talk to this one and see if you can get them to do something? And that was interesting for me. And, and, you know, my personality is, is to want to help anyway. Sure. Um, but here I am like practically laying down in a, in a wheelchair kind of contraption going around to people going, yeah, you should get to therapy. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> the, the woman next to me, she, this is a true story. She broke her fingernail and she oh. was screaming. And I'm like, what? She goes, I broke my fingernail. And oh I'm like, God. are you kidding me? <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Like every I, fiber hurt and you're like, you broke a fingernail and you're screaming? Get get some perspective here. Yes, yes, yes. It is difficult for every, for one person to assume <laughs> that yeah. they understand what somebody else is going through. But I think by talking and by sharing and by listening to what other people have, and I think that's where getting out there, and like you say, you probably were strengthened by going out and helping others. Um, some people are strengthened by learning from mm-hmm. others. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I like and I like you. I know that you like to help others too, and and um, it's important. And I think it really helps when people are down. The best thing to do is to help other people. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's like for me, that's the medicine. Mm. How old were your kids when all this was going on? Uh, they were fourteen. 14 and 16. So oh, I had twins. Wow. Uh, yeah. So they, they actually, um, the twins, it was harder because they were like grade nine maybe and they stopped going to school. Really? Nothing I could do. You know, like they just, they were so upset. Like my kids were really freaked out. Plus the divorce at the same time, their stepdad. So yeah. it was, and my oldest really took on a lot of responsibility. You know, he had to drive the kids to the hospital to see me and he had to do the shopping and go to school and, um, yeah, he was the he, and he never missed a day. He 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 won an award for never missing a day of school. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah and the younger ones probably missed, won the award for never going to school, <laughs> <laughs> missing the most days of school. So it's how crazy. how did you find uh, staying in touch with the kids during all of that? Um, what how did you how did you keep up with them as far as I mean? verbally and I don't know that if they was got hard. to see you every day. No, they didn't get to see me every day and, and Facebook wasn't that big sure. um, where, you know, I could find out what they were doing like you can today. Uh, yeah. It was, it was hard. It was really hard. It was hard on all of us. You know, sure. um, I, I just had a hospital bed, you know, and a phone and that was kind of it. So it was, it was tough. And I, you know, I, I didn't have family. My family, um, my dad lived in California. My mom had passed away the year before. So I really didn't have anybody either. And oh. it was just my kids. And not, Yeah, not to pry, but did you have to uh, change guardianship for your 14-year-old while all of this was happening? I didn't officially. Just my older son just, look, you know, I, I had him sign on to the bank account. And, you know, yeah. he just took what he needed. And yeah. he, he's a great kid, you know. And well, I thank God every day for, for, well, for all of them, really, you know, yeah, they're good kids. Yeah. And, they're, and today they're fine, you know, oh, they made I'm up sure for all that. Are. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. Mine were a bit younger, um, and what I tried very hard to do was include them as much as I can. Of course, I wasn't confined. I was home every day, even though I'd have to go in for whether it be chemo or once I, I, I live in New Hampshire, but once I got uh, to the point where I needed radiation, I went every day to Boston because we didn't have the f- proper facility yeah. up here to handle the particular uh, therapy that I needed. So when I could, I would take them with me. I would take them at least to Boston with me once in a while. I would actually keep them out of school, and I told their teachers. Yeah. My, uh, my son was in junior high. I believe they were sixth and eighth grade. I'm trying to remember if it was fifth uh, fifth and seventh or sixth and eighth. But I, I let the school know um, this is something that's important for them. We certainly can catch up on on the schoolwork mm-hmm. afterwards, and I was able to take them in each one at a time. I didn't take them both at right. the time. Yeah. But each one of them had a day with me, and we'd go down to Boston. Uh, I always took the bus down, and we took the tea around town. And uh, fortunately, I physically felt well enough that oh, I wasn't too – I didn't have a whole lot of side effect from it. Yeah. Um, but I, by including them as honestly as I could, I think it helped them deal with it yeah. so that they could then be um, – go on with their business. You know, they didn't have to be so um, compromised in their day 
they they're and they weren't wondering what was happening to you they got to see what the hospital they got to see where boston they got to see you know now i know what mom's doing when she's there right so all the questions and the you know the scary stuff was answered it was kind of funny because when I had this modulated radiation, I, they have this cast and then you have the tattoos and you lay in the cast that they pr- provide for you and they have to line up the tattoos and then they put you through. And this thing is this huge round, uh, it goes around 360 degrees around your body and it like shoots at you. So it sounds wow. like something shooting at you. Oh my it's gosh. Kind of, kind of creepy. And I got back out and I said, so Ross, what did you think? You know, is that kind of scary or did, were you okay with it? And there again, he's junior high. And he says, oh, I was fine with it. He says, I did see a little bit of the top of you that I wasn't supposed to see. But I don't see you with that, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So I figured if that's all he saw was a nipple, then I guess I'm okay. If that's the only thing that he kind of came back with. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's but it, I think it did, it gave them a little more comfort so that they were able to continue their schoolwork. They weren't, they didn't have a dip in their, uh, in their schoolwork. They didn't have a dip in their social life. Um, it, it's important. And I think yeah. so many times if we still have younger kids and we're in that sandwich, you know, maybe we're taking care of elders or maybe it mm-hmm. means that we have to deal with, um, some of these illnesses, that we we all do. It doesn't matter if you're getting older or if you're in your 30s. You know, it, it, it hits us. You know, our kids really do learn by example. And, you know, I looked after, like you, I looked after my mom uh, before she passed. And um, and the way, you know, I dealt with my, with, with my injuries and, and that. And I think that, you know, our children will will remember that. And when they're, if, you know, God forbid they have something like we had, um, they will, they will operate in the same manner. They'll remember, oh yeah, my mom did it that way. And yeah. I'm going to do it that way too. And, and it's, it, I see it now with my kids volunteering. I see it with them being involved, you know, on, um, different organizations that, that I remember my son asked me a long, long time ago when he was little, cause he used to play every sport and he goes, why are you, why do you volunteer for that mom? And I go, because I like to be involved with the things that you're doing. And I like to, you know, for the community and, and help, you know, shape what's going on. And he goes, I really like that about you. Oh and, my goodness. And, you know, today I see that with them, you know, that they're very involved. And, and so that, that's nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, talk about, um, you, then you can sit back and say, I guess I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, as parents, we're always second guessing ourselves. We're always saying, geez, you know, should I have done this? Should I have done that? And you have to just say, you know what? I did the best that I could given what I had. And I, you do, you kind of have to sit there and make the choice and say, I'm going to, this is it. I did the best I could. That's it. Yeah, I mean, there's no handbook. There really isn't. And, yeah. and you just, it's through the gut and you do what you think you can. And um, hopefully your kids are watching and listening and, and they are. They yeah, always they are. Really are. I know that. And oh gosh, mother guilt is the most horrible thing in the world. But you know, you just got to let you so wisely, Robin. <laughs> When used wisely, it works. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we have to apply it appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> We've 
got another break coming up, Frankie. So on the other side, we've got more hurdles uh, to talk about. Let's let's uh, we we do want to talk about some hurdles, but we want to talk about um, those positive aspects because we need to turn those hurdles around and make them positive experiences. Because uh, you never know what's going to come out of something that you might think is negative. It's going to be positive in the end. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on Passing Fifty. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's words you never heard. When I was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to typothermia. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author and intuitive, Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. Hey everyone, welcome back to Passing 50. And we are with Frankie Picasso today. What a joy, Frankie, to be getting to know you. Um, I want to talk uh, again or remind people to listen to you on Mission Unstoppable and Frankie Sense and more. Um, how are these shows different? What, what would we hear uh, from each of these shows? Oh, good question. Well, Mission Unstoppable is my flagship show. I've had that the longest, probably about seven years or so. So on that show, it started really really with people who were unstoppable in their lives, getting through uh, tragedy, getting through um, or overcoming obstacles. People like, um, I'll give you an example, Nigel Vardy, who was, he was a mountaineer. He had climbed all of the seven highest mountains that you could climb. And in doing so, he lost his fingers, nose and toes. And I'm thinking, why would you go on? And he still climbs. Like, oh, like, my goodness. Yeah. You know, like, what is it inside people 
that makes them unstoppable? You know, what is it that makes you overcome? Like, why would you overlook losing all of that? And you still love it so much. Like, what is that inside you? So those kind of people, people, um, uh, who were just unstoppable in getting what they wanted from life. And, and I love to find out how and why people do that, uh, like you. And then um, Frankie Sense is a variety show. So I have different guests, but it is aligned with United Nations Global Goals. That's kind of my uh, – because, because both the good radio, which they're both on, um, that I, yeah. I, I founded, is socially conscious talk radio. I, I wanted it to be radio that does a world of good. So not only do, do we talk about good things or talk about helping people, but we actually do help people uh, oh, wow. through, through, you know, monetarily, philanthropy, or through, um, you know, uh, introductions to the right people, in kind – all kinds of all kinds of new and different ways, you know, to help people. So I might have a, I like to have a musician, maybe a new musician, find out about new music. Have authors. I work with different publishing houses. I like to have um, people on who are nonprofit um, for sure. I have a, a once a month movie critic who comes on from Chicago. He's well known there, and uh, just a, just a variety of of interesting and neat people. Oh, that's wonderful. And then we like to have a conversation. Everybody kind of has a segment. And then we have a conversation and everybody chimes in. Yes. So it's kind of fun. (laughs) (laughs) It is fun. It is fun. It's sort of like, um, you know, back in the day when we'd have variety shows on TV. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought that's going to be a little bit of a challenge because obviously on radio, you can't see one another. Um, How am I going to run four people? But it works. It works well. And Karina, yes. you know, it runs a show for me too sometimes. And, and she see how she, she knows how it goes. Um, and it's fun. I enjoy it a lot. And you meet a lot of great people and you read a lot of great books because I'm one of those people that I insist on reading the whole book. I'm not, I don't want your 10 questions. I want to be able to lead you and, and really, you know, find out more about you than just, right. you know, that kind right. of. I think it bores people when they have to answer just 10 questions. So, um, Well, and I think so many times, it, just like sitting at, with a cup of coffee with a good friend, your, mm-hmm. your, your conversation is just going to evolve and it's going to come into, oh, and it, you, you need that kind of spontaneity. And I think on a variety environment, you're going to get that. It's not, um, and I, I certainly know that other radio like NPR has certain agendas that they've got mm-hmm. to get those points out and that's the purpose, but that's more news-based and we're more uh, enrichment-based. That's think. right. That's right. I like that enrichment-based. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to find out about people and meet new people that you would never have heard of, but you know, they might've been in the news. Uh, that's kind of how I choose people too. It's kind of funny because I might be reading an article or seeing a new segment on television. And I go, Oh, I like that. I like what that person just did. And I'll call them up and go, Hey, you want to be on my show? Awesome. And yeah, I mean, it's that simple. <laughs> Not easy. And- usually. Usually, and when you ask somebody, I'm sure that it's very difficult for them to say no. I hope so. <laughs> you because hope, right? you ask them. Yeah. Well, you know, eventually you build up enough of a reputation that people sure. people say, yeah. But now that I don't have a website and they go and they look for me and everything that's out there on me is gone, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, that's all. It's yeah. true. Although we did say you are building, you're rebuilding. I am rebuilding. Point. Rebuilding, but not rebranding. <laughs> right. <laughs> the good radio network.com. Okay. You, and it's a, it's a lovely uh, site that's in, in construction. So it's in construction. It, I, 
it's definitely a, a great beginning. So anybody who's looking for more information uh, can certainly go to the good network. Excuse me, the, the radio. Good radio network. Yeah. Because um, when it's all in lowercase, it kind of blends, and I have to it make does. sure I yeah. put capitals in there. <laughs> yeah, that's so right. that I can read it. Frankie, when we have challenges, when we have um, emotional hurdles, uh, it's so easy to wallow in the misery. I know um, right now it's real difficult for my husband, for example. He's been going through some sciatic issues oh, yeah. and uh, trying to get diagnoses and trying to get, I think I think that's one of the challenges that we all face as we're starting to get older. Things start to crap out on us and it really mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> and I think there's times that we really have to say, all right, we can't just sit here and say it sucks. We have to say, wait a minute, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to get more information from my doctor or I'm going to get more information about naturopathic uh, things as po- in addition to, I don't want to mm-hmm. tell anybody to not go to their doctor, but um, how, how have you helped people realize that they can be their own self-advocate? Oh, good question. Well, I am my own self-advocate and I'll, I'll start there because I do have chronic pain as a result of my accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, there's not a day I don't wake up from the pain. So I sleep about yeah. four hours a night, just for, if you want to know. And, yeah. and um, I have a wonderful family doctor who is also works as my pain specialist. But every time I go to her and I say, hey, you know what, I'm going to try this. I, I found you know, a homeopath or I found this or I found that. Uh, what do you think? She goes, try it. She she's never one to say no. You have to stay, you know, with Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And I love that about her because she goes, hey, if you find something that works for you, you're going to bring it back, and I'm going to be able to share it with my other ladies or whoever, right? Yeah. With yeah. my other patients. And so um, that's kind. Of, I've always been, you know, the one to go out there and try all the new stuff. And because I'm looking for a cure, you know, I I do not want to live like this for the rest of my life. And maybe I'll have to, but I don't want to. And and so I'm always looking for other than, you know, I don't want to be shoving pills down my throat. I want to find an, another cure, another way to cure this. Um, and, and so it's a matter of reframing, you know, how, how, what's going on in your life and, and what you have. Yes, your husband has sciatic pain. Um, but he could have cancer, you know, he right. could have other things and, and he's still able to move and he's still able to go to a doctor and he's still able to talk and walk. And that's a blessing. So, you know, as painful as it is, and I know it's very painful, um, you just push through that, you know, you got to keep, keep doing it. Um, but it could be worse. Yes. He could yeah. have a broken fingernail. He could have a broken fingernail <laughs> and then you could scream. So yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's it, but reframing, Everything and and looking at things from a different perspective is yeah. how you change your thoughts, and that's the beauty of of coaching because I have seen people change once the perspective changes, once they get it, everything changes like a nanosecond. It's like oh, everything drops away, and it's like how come I didn't know this before? How come I didn't feel like this before? You know, and and here's a really great example that everybody will understand. Okay, when you're when you fall in love in those you know endorphins yes. come over you and you're like, oh my God, it's like the best day ever. I'm so in love and nothing's going to take that bad mood away, you know, or, or my great mood. You can do whatever you want, but I'm in love and so nothing, nothing's going to happen. Um, same day, now you've had a fight. You might be breaking up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so now it's like, oh, it's like the worst day of my life. How could my day go any worse? Blah, 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 blah. So, you know, 
same day, same person, same everything, except now those loving endorphins are like, oh, I'm, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm whatever. Um, how could you reframe that? You know, how that, could you reframe yeah, and because don't we all know that hole, hole in the gut, that that hole in our stomach, that awful, sick, miserable feeling? But you do, you have to reframe it, like you say. So you know, I, I could I could maybe talk to him, and and now we're not angry with one another, and now we're back together again, and oh, life is wonderful all over again. So nothing has changed except for in your head how you're feeling that emotion and you can change that emotion because you can choose to think a different thought you can choose not to wallow in that um and choose to to think differently because mm-hmm. how we feel and what and what you know we think about that's our choice so either we can just you know 24 7 go about oh woe is me or you can say you know what i'm gonna go help other people because i still can and you forget about your own pain because you're helping other people through their pain Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mother, Mother Teresa said you can't walk fast and be depressed. And uh, that's true. It, it is true. Um, even though I can't walk fast. <laughs> right. You know, right. I can, I, my thoughts can go fast and my thoughts can go to other people and say, I can help you. And, and you know, what's, what's hard for me is not hard for other people or what upsets me doesn't upset other people. And so everybody, you know, like that fingernail or your two broken legs and hip and pelvis, you know, um, yeah. that's, that's perspective. Her perspective was that that was as great as mine. And it must be difficult for some people to appreciate a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think many of us who are more open-minded, uh, it does kind of come somewhat naturally, but I think there are some that really do get hung up. And they do. That they stay in a victim mentality, so mm-hmm. and they stay as a mart that martyr mentality. Um, and but you can shift that. That is still you know still workable, and we can still shift that um, if they're willing. And that's the key. You know, you have to be willing to kind of look at at things in a different way. Just like you have to be willing, like you know, in the news, like with with you know the banning of all those countries and and the shooting in Quebec. You have to be willing to look at people um, on a personal level. At, at, and, you know, take them at their own merit and take them at their own, uh, you know, individual and go, yeah, you know what? I like you. I know who you are and I like you. And and you keep doing that until, you know, you have a big enough group. And you go, yeah, you know what? My perspective has changed on that, mm-hmm. on that group of people. I think whatever. the operative word there is willing. Yeah. You have to be willing. You yeah. have to be willing to say there's something else, even though I'm in pain, there is something else. You have to be willing, even though my marriage just broke up, I have to be willing to make a future for myself alone. Um, I have to be willing to open my heart to somebody new if they've just come into my yeah. life. Yeah. Willing. That's willing. the word. Willing is the, is the word. And, you know, I mean, if, if you look at a marriage that just broke up, uh, look at that. Look at it through a different set of eyes and a different lens and go, okay, my marriage just broke up, but how could that be good for me? Mm. You know? Yeah. And, and force yourself to think of the good points. The good points. Sure. The good ones. Because there will be good ones. You know, you don't have, you don't have to cook for somebody every night right. or you don't have to, <laughs> you know, argue with them about the same stupid stuff or you could get to watch whatever show you right. want. You know? right. I mean, there's going to be some good points. <laughs> We've got more with Frankie. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. 
If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction for more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's Virgin Laughter was such good medicine. Ancient Greek physicians sent their patients to visit comedians to be healed. In the 1300s, surgeon Henry D. Mondeville used to tell jokes to his patients in the recovery room. Dr. Mondeville must have been a bit of a vitzel such. That's a person who tells jokes and no one ever laughs. We laugh six times more when in the company of another person than we do by ourselves, and 30 times more when we are in a group. Laughter isn't under our conscious control. If you've ever started cackinating at school, in church, or at a funeral, you know what I'm talking about. Cackinating is another word for uncontrollable laughter. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion yeah. on Passing 50. It just seems like a long Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? Check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. Thanks for joining us today on Passing 50. You know, uh, Frankie, uh, my guest Frankie Picasso is with me today. I'm talking about uh, building websites uh, and you're rebuilding yours. I am still in the process of building mine, but definitely beckmultimedia.com has a show page for us. So if anyone wants more information, we're also on iTunes. You can find us through there too. So if you want past uh, shows from Passing 50, you can find them there. We're building them up in there. Uh, so we're excited to have more. And of course, if you want more shows from Frankie, you're going to want to look up Mission Unstoppable and you're also going to want, want Frankie Sense and more. In addition to all of your, um, uh, in, in addition to all of the other things that you do, you're an author, Frankie. Yeah. And I, I, I do want to talk a little bit about your books, uh, Midlife Mojo, How to Get Through the Midlife Crisis and Emerge as Your True Self. We do change to a certain degree, don't we? We do. Uh, as we get older. I think, you know, First, I want to talk about the word mojo because mojo is um, an African word from the Congo, and, and the the word is moyo, and moyo means soul or your life force. And mm-hmm. so mojo is your life force. And when I talked about um, 
how to get through the midlife crisis and emerge as your true self. First, we have to decide, is there a midlife crisis? And, And what is your true self? And what I was thinking about was our socialized self versus who we really want to be. Now, through our lives, you know, we are socialized to be good little boys and girls and to do what mommy and daddy tells us and then do what our school tells us and do what society tells us. Um, and, and so rarely do we rebel against all of that. And we just go along, go, yep, you know, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a house and have 2.5 kids. And that's how life works. Get a job. Um, but for many of us, as you heard from the beginning of the show, Robin and I both wanted to be radio hosts from a you know a young age. Um, life passed, went you know circular or whatever, but here we are. We came back to it, and and so we emerged in midlife to become who we really wanted to be in the first place. And you know maybe we had to look after an aging parent, or maybe we had to you know have an accident in the middle of it, and maybe other things happened. Um, but there was a wake up in midlife. And, and I, I call it a metamorphosis where we kind of are breaking out of our socialized self into being finally the person that we always wanted to be. So, you know, maybe you were a doctor because your mom and dad wanted you to be one, but really you wanted to be an artist. And so those latent, you know, wants are, 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 are coming out now, those desires yeah. and, and in midlife. Sometimes, you know, that bull in the china shop that they talk about, you know, the one who upsets the family and they go buy a Ferrari and they get a young mistress, those don't last. What that is, is really just a hammer to break that egg. And once you're out and and it's all been exposed, um, I find that, you know, those men or women who went and did all of that actually, you know, come back, they get rid of the young one, they find somebody their own age, uh, because they realize that, you know, they don't have anything to talk about. Um, But that was really just a way to shake everything up, you know, so that it had to happen. You know, sure. that's, that, that's sure. my, my view on it. Well, I think too, when we're younger, we, we've either got uh, a, a, a new husband when we're mm-hmm. in our twenties and thirties. Uh, we are a we're aspiring to a career. We are parents. We are uh, new new spouses. And then somewhere mm-hmm. halfway through the middle of it all, we all of a sudden the children grow up. Maybe our careers have come to a peak and mm-hmm. now are starting to uh, wane. Maybe the marriage is uh, still strong. It is in my case. Um, mm-hmm. But you do need to look at each other differently. All yeah. of a sudden, we are two different people people than we were when we were 20, 22, 24. It doesn't mean that we don't love each other. It doesn't mean that, but we are different people. And I think somehow when we have been other titles, we've worn so many other hats. I've Mm -hmm. been the mom, I've been the the wife, I've been the career person. I've, I've been the the, the mom to these kids. The chauffeur. (laughs) Yeah. The chauffeur, the the the, bank machine, the the, the bank machine, the leader of the Girl Scout troop, the, you know, the, the soccer coach. Now all of a sudden those roles, those commitments are no longer a part of our identity. Mm -hmm. We are now just Robin. We are now just Frankie. And now we have to be, somebody for our own fulfillment. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's hard to grasp sometimes because we think, wait a minute, I need somebody to need me. Yes. And, and it's, you know, a lot of people find it very difficult to make friends at this age. Yeah. You know, you're not really hanging out in those, you know, with the kids at the, at the, sure. at the baseball game or the hockey, whatever. And so where do, where do adults meet other adults? 
to become friends because now, you know, you're right. You don't have your kids. You, you know, what are you going to do with your life? I'm, you know, my husband just turned 60 and, you know, we're, we're starting to have the conversation about, okay, if you retire, when you retire, what are you going to do? You know, cause you're not going right. to retire. You might retire from what you're doing, but you're still going to have to work and do something else to keep you busy. Cause you're not going to be in my hair. Right. So <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> you know? Because well, uh, you can't true. look to me to be your playmate. I'm busy. I'm, I, I created something for myself, right? right? I'm busy doing my thing. So it is true. You, you do need to keep yourself entertained and busy and not just watching television and vegetating right. all day. You have to physically be physical and you have to be mental and sharp and stay sharp. And so a lot of, you know, they say a lot of men, you know, within two years of retiring, die. And there's a reason yeah. for that. You know, I was um, just going to ask you if you if you thought it was harder for men than women. I, th- I do. I think it is. Yeah, I see yeah. it. I see it. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, what are they going to play golf? You know, like there's only so much golf you can play. So I think that, that they do need um, they do need to do, you know, figure it out, figure it out. Yeah. And and maybe it's just thinking back to what did I used to love to do when I before I got married and when I was young, you know, some like um, some people like to make furniture now or, or you know, be creators. I think I think being a creator is really important. Well, for me yeah. anyway. Um, but people enjoy, you know, creation. You know, making new things out of old things, even. So there, there there's something for everybody, but you just got to figure it out. Well, and I think sometimes something tangible uh, that is created is a lot easier to wrap your head around and feel positive than something that's. Um, more uh intangible if, yeah if, or if, even if you want to mentor you know younger people yeah. people in business um you know things like that where you're you're actively you know setting up something and teaching that that's yep. a great thing to do like things like right. that yeah right i think it is it's so hard it is harder for men i think because they have been sort of of course with our generation we've been ingrained that the, the man goes to work is and yeah works uh, to support the family for their life. And then all of a sudden they are retired and it is difficult to find that, uh, that purpose. And also like, you know, they've been known as, as, you know, Joe, the plumber, Bob, the, you know, CEO, and, and we're defined by our roles. You know, we think we're defined by our roles. Um, When you go meet somebody, it's like, Oh, you're Bob. What do you do now? You know, well, I used to, I used to yep. be a somebody, but I'm not a somebody anymore. <laughs> you know? yeah. How do you deal with that? I'm a nobody now. Um, so you create something for yourself. Very, very hard. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes if you're in a bigger city area, it might be a little easier. Sometimes when you're pretty rural, mm-hmm. um, it, it might be a little bit harder. There might not be a center of town. There might not be volunteer opportunities. There might not be a community college nearby. Uh, and that's when and you, create, I, you, you become an entrepreneur. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Your other book, uh, Frankie, Noble Allowed, How Noble to Lose Allowed. the Losers and Lasso in Love. Um, what, what brought that one on? Um, I was, I'm also a relationship coach and I was thinking, and I'm a musician, I'm a drummer. And uh-huh. I was thinking about songs, about how everything about love had been written in song. So I took, um, about 48 song titles, um, you're going to have my baby, uh, you know, um, how to lose, you know, 50 ways to lose your lover lover. (laughs) and, and those kinds of songs. And I coached to the title because so many women and men, but this book is mainly, mainly, you know, geared for ladies, um, 
keep choosing the wrong person over and over and over. And so I really wanted to help them break out of that. And um, at the time, I, w- I partnered with Kelly Kelly Wallace, we were the Love Wranglers, and we kind of had a Western twist to, and we had a radio show, and we did the book, and it was all kind of fun, but it was very good. It's, it was like our personal stories, coaching, um, boot the bull, which, you know, is really like, this is what you need to, some bold requests that you need to do in order to break out of your habit, and if you do these things, that it will really help you um, on each chapter. So it, it was a workbook, it was a, um, you know, a coaching book, and a snapshot of, you know, our personal lives as women who Kelly had five kids. I had, you know, three kids and, um, we had both been divorced. So you get a real slice of life in it. I love it. Isn't it true how music does sort of transcend everything? Yeah. And and it does your mood, right? It shoots your mood to different places and, and memories. We have we have some of our uh, music sessions. Stephen and I will will sit in the evening, and the TV is off, and we just listen to music, and uh, we kind of do our own weird Al kind of thing and make our own yeah. lyrics to some of oh, the that's songs. Fun, which is really, really fun. And then sometimes, uh, you know, we'll say, "Oh, remember when?" When and and it it is kind of nice because not only is it nice to reminisce but then it does it lifts your heart it brings a bond it gives mm-hmm. you um it, it, it ties something together i guess well and that's the thing it's like you know when you when that guy or girl goes off in in, in their midlife crisis to marry somebody who's 20 you they don't have you don't have that same experience you don't you know the music that we listened to in the 70s they're like what who are they you know and so it, it's kind of like they realize yeah, we're missing a lot here. And they go and they find somebody their own age again. Because, oh, yeah, you, you you know, the terms of reference for things, you know, do you remember when? Yeah, I remember that. That's what that's what helps people bond. You it's know, it's true. It's yeah. true. Uh, and uh, friendships are so important, whether it be uh, a, a partner for life as far as uh, your personal life, whether it be uh, your social friends who are there to support you through whatever, uh, or if it's the friends that you have just met uh, through podcasts and radios such yeah. as as you and I, Frankie, are, are I you, hope, becoming closer and more bonded. Frankie Picasso, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, it's been such a thrill, but I, I'm so inspired because there is no no (laughs) that you are ever going to accept you're going to find uh it to be a turn and you're going to make something positive out of it so thank you thank you You'll find more uh, from Frankie on Mission Unstoppable and Frankie Sense and more. Uh, and you'll do do follow up with the Good Radio Network as she builds that site, and you can find lots more about her there. Thanks so much, Frankie, and thank you all for being a part of our show today. Passing 50 was so much fun, and we're glad that you're sharing it with us. Take care, everyone. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great, too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50.